Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Have you been enjoying the journey this weekend? I feel like we're we're being led into the mine of the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord for another meeting. Amen. We're still on the journey. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, let's read some verses. A verse I'm sure we're all familiar with so far. Colossians 2, 16 through 18. I'm sorry, 18a. Let's all read this one together. Let no one therefore judge you in eating and drinking or in respect of a feast or of a new moon or the Sabbath, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. Defraud you of your unworthy of your pride. Saints, let's read that again, okay? Let no one therefore judge you in eating and drinking or in respect of a feast of the new moon or of the Sabbath, which are a shadow of the things to come. But the body is of Christ. Defraud you by judging you unworthy of your prize. Amen. Good. Okay, John chapter 14, 6a. All together. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the reality and the life. Let's read that one again. Jesus said to him, I am the way, and the reality, and the life. And let's go to verse 17 in the same chapter. All together. Even the spirit of reality, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He abides with you and shall be in you. Amen. Amen. Abides with you and shall be in you. Okay, First John 5, 6. Let's have the brothers on this. This one. This is He who came through water and blood. Jesus Christ. Not in water only, but in the water and in the blood. And the Spirit is He who testifies because the Spirit is the reality. Amen. Okay, and lastly... John sixteen thirteen, And we do this one all together. But when He, the Spirit of reality, comes, He will guide you into all the reality. For He will not speak from Himself, but what He hears, He will speak. 
and he will declare to you the things that are coming. Amen. Good morning, dear saints. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Saints, the Lord is serious about this matter. He wants us to enjoy Him. <laughs> well, welcome to those of you who um, weren't able to be with us yesterday. And um, we'd like to uh, maybe just give a brief review of the general subject and the title for your benefit so you can kind of catch up with what we spoke yesterday. And um, maybe just a few framing, framing um, observations. So you have your outline, huh? So... Our outline begins, begins with a wonderful gerund, an action word, enjoying, <laughs> brothers and sisters. The Lord is serious about this. He would like us to enjoy Him Amen. and to be enjoying Him <laughs> and to enjoy Him more and more. <laughs> and... Um, so the first word is enjoying. Enjoying the riches of Christ for the building up of the church as the body of Christ. Amen. So, um, saints, to uh, comment on this a little bit, I'll ask you to consider your daily living, recent times and through the span, perhaps, of your adult life. And um, how do you assess how you're doing? What is the yardstick by which you measure and consider your daily living? For some of us, if we're like many, it may be that you would have um, progress in living a virtuous and contributory human life. Is that your consideration? If you are, then um, if it is your consideration, then this is quite noteworthy, laudatory, and representative. Um, maybe you're a little bit more um, utilitarian and you um, measure how you're doing with your um, to-do list. Are you current? Are you up to date with what's, what's expected of you? Are you... Uh, how is your... Um, Balance sheet doing. Many people uh, have this as their yardstick. If they're too far behind on things or not doing that well in terms of keeping up, they might not uh, feel so good about what they're doing. But most are in the first category. They would like to be, and this is true, especially of us as believers, we would like to be, we would like to be good exemplary Christians who live a holy and virtuous life worthy of the Lord's testimony. 
right? We'd like to do that. So we have realized, we realized yesterday that not that this is a bad yardstick, but this is the wrong yardstick. <laughs> what is the right yardstick? Amazingly. Incredibly. And representing the being of our enticing and calling God is that he wants your yardstick for your living and what your life is about and what you're doing is to be how you are in your enjoyment of him. Are you enjoying him? Now, can we consider applying this and making this our yardstick? Consider yesterday having this as your yardstick. How did you do in your enjoyment? Was your enjoyment of the Lord your priority? Was it your ongoing consideration in the next hour, what could I do to enjoy Him more? <coughs> well, you know, probably because we have a human and, yes, even a church life acculturation, this isn't our, this isn't our view so much. How we need a new yardstick. And so for this yardstick, for us to have this yardstick, this measuring criterion of how we're doing, that our enjoy, that enjoyment is the, is the criterion, the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, gave to us, um, entrusted to us, this wonderful book of Colossians. And in the Bible, Colossians is the noteworthy book on the unexcelled revelation of what Christ is. And taken as such by those who are serious about the Bible, they have enjoyed this book as a book that allows them to know God in Christ in a way that they could not know Him otherwise without this book. But may not have appreciated that, that this book is actually a book on the utmost enjoyment of Christ. And you might say, well, brother, isn't Philippians a book on the utmost enjoyment of Christ? Well, yes. Philippians is also a book on the utmost enjoyment of Christ. But... We saw, we saw yesterday, we saw yesterday, that what the Lord intends in His divine oracle, in His speaking to us, in His recovery, is firstly to give us the highest revelation of Himself. And hasn't He done this? In this building, things were done. Much was done. To carry out a momentous development in the history of mankind and the history of the church. And that is that for the first time, the entire expounded 
interpreted Word of God in the ministry of Witness Lee is thoroughly available for the first time it is in our hands. And a year ago, half of that was not there. This year, it's all there. And we have this year the collected literary works of Witness Lee which present to us which present to us the expounded divine truth, but which show to us and demonstrate the divine intention that the revelation of what God is in divine truth is to bring us into a realization of what He is to be experienced by us. So Colossians is the highest book in the revelation of Christ, poising it and preparing it to be perhaps also the highest book on the enjoyment of Christ, on the experience of Christ, on the subjective application of what He is. And so we saw that in some some detail yesterday, and we saw that in the marvelous uh, revelation of what Christ is, He is universal. He is universal in all that He is. But this universal one, this universal one then, through uh, the verses that we read as our first scripture reading, is applied to us in utmost enjoyment. And that utmost enjoyment carries out and fulfills God's purpose as revealed in the latter part of the book of Colossians. So, um, to present this in summary in a little bit different way, um, I'd like to give you this series of verses. Colossians 2.2, uh, Colossians 1.27, and um, Colossians 2.16-18a, through 18a, these verses that we had. So, in Colossians 2.2, it tells us that Christ is the mystery of God. Now, who knows God and what God is? Well, no one could know and no one does know apart from Christ himself who is the mystery of God and allow and makes God knowable to us. Well, Christ as God's mystery the word mystery there can also be understood as story. History. His story. History. And that, and that Christ as the mystery of God takes God in his good pleasure, his intent, and gives God's story which is Christ as God moving to carry out what he intends. And as he does this, he goes from eternity, enters into time, embodies himself in humanity, lives the kind of life that we talked about last night that he desires us to eventually be brought into via enjoyment, died to 
reconcile us and the entire universe to Himself, redeem us, regenerate us, and, and resurrected, ascended, and became, as a result, the Spirit of reality. Amen. Calling Himself, in John fourteen seventeen, the Spirit of reality, He said, who now is among you, but who will be in you, who will be in you. Now, this takes us to the second verse, Colossians 1.27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, of course, the hope of glory there, as I alluded to last night, that hope, that hope is the full enjoyment of the reality that the spirit of reality is guiding us into, that laid hold of by us and enjoyed by us is that hope fulfilled. That hope fulfilled. So the one who is God's story, <coughs> embodying his aspiration and his desire, positioned himself not distant from you and I, but as the spirit of reality, he's now in us as the revealed mystery Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, he might say, so that you could enjoy me, what more could I do than that? What more could I do than that? Than become the spirit of reality? To be in you as that reality? And then wait there for you as that reality to either contact and join me or not. What more could I do? Well, I'll tell you what he could do. He could give us Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 18a. And let us know, let us know that, that he has stationed himself. To be the reality, the I am, the reality of every necessity that we have. So we saw yesterday that the yearly feast, the new moon monthly, the Sabbath weekly, the eating and drinking daily indicate Christ to fulfill our need for the entire duration of our entire life. And so this Christ is what we need for the entire duration of our entire life. So what should we do? Enjoy Him. So our, our entire life is a life of enjoyment. So what should the yardstick be? The yardstick should be how much Am I enjoying? And the budget should be for that enjoyment. The time allotment should be for that enjoyment. The energy saved up should be for that enjoyment. Everything should be for, for that enjoyment. So, dear saints, he, he, he placed himself to be uh, the reality of all our necessities. We also saw, we also saw that he 
is the reality of the entire material universe to be observed, touched, and enjoyed by us in its grandeur and in its smallest forms, indicating His beauty, His divine characteristics, all that He is, enabling us to experience Him comprehensively and to enjoy Him. So this is, this is what He wants. Then um, we saw we saw that the enjoyment that we have today is to fulfill what involved thousands of years, thousands of lives of God's Old Testament people, which always to be was all to be a picture of us today. That today, what are we to do? We are to enjoy Christ as the fulfillment of everything that they lived and did. And so that Old Testament people, their life and their entire existence was summarizable in six categories of types. The persons, the animals, the plants, the minerals, the offerings, the foods. This represented the entire life of God's Old Testament people. And every aspect of those six categories represents Christ as something that was important to them and part of their life that now is fulfilled today in our lives by our enjoying Christ. So what is the message of the one who has come to dwell inside of us? All... You line up with the meaning, you line up with the meaning of the universe, and you fulfill the purpose of the universe. So, um, saints, this is this is where we um, uh, have gotten thus far, and so this morning, this morning we'll continue on and elaborate on the fact that enjoyment should be the purpose and meaning of our life, satisfying Him and fulfilling His purpose, and lining up lining up with the meaning of the entire universe. Okay, so let's go uh, take our outline out now. And you'll see that this is a continuation of what began yesterday with uh, Roman numeral 2. I'll read this to you. Uh, the all-inclusive Christ is the reality of all the positive things in the universe. Now, yesterday we did enjoy these two verses, uh, Romans 1.20 and Ephesians 3.18, that indicate that there are two um, corresponding universes, one of which is shadow and one of which is real. The universe of shadow is the grand, expansive, 
material universe described in Romans 1.20 and as we saw also in Psalm 19 verses 1 through 5. But everything as observed and enjoyed by us in this, in this material universe has a connection in our mingled spirit with the Lord as our way to pass from mere constituents and participants in a universe of shadow into those who are actively and fully in a universe of reality by using the constituents of the material universe as a stimulus and a reminder for us to contact the indwelling Lord. And as we do, we find ourselves in Him and with Him in in a universe of spiritual reality. So this universe of spiritual reality is here in Ephesians 3.18 where it says that we will pursue together, all the saints will pursue together, the dimensions of the unsearchable Christ revealed in Ephesians 3. So uh, now, saints, as we go to point uh, C, this is a continuation of last night's outline where we talked about these six categories of of, uh, types. And the last two were the offerings and the foods. And so here we're going to we're going to talk about how, although we saw six categories of offerings, six categories of types, excuse me, uh, yesterday, which composed the lives of God's Old Testament people. Another way of stating this and another way of looking at Christ as our reality is by simply taking two matters, two encompassing matters. And that is the tabernacle and the offerings as another way of capturing the existence of God's Old Testament people in typology and showing us that the tabernacle and the offerings represented the life, living, and enjoyment of God's Old Testament people. Now, we experience Christ as our tabernacle, as our offerings, to be a New Testament people who enjoy Him increasingly, ascendingly, more and more, to the utmost. Now, we're familiar with the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle. And we're familiar with with the offerings. The tabernacle appears in uh, the Old Testament book of Exodus for the first time, as you know. And although there were offerings in the book of Genesis, the real presentation of the offerings was also in Exodus, 
and then uh, enlarged upon very much in um, Le- uh, Leviticus and referred to in the book of Numbers. Let me read to you the C then, um, 2C. In the New Testament, Christ is the spirit of reality who makes the untraceable riches of all that he is real to us, guiding us into himself as the divine reality for our enjoyment. So, uh, these were the verses that we read at the outset. And here, um, with the exception of the first verse, Colossians 2.16-18, through 18, it gives us this wonderful sequence that is fulfilled by Colossians 2.16 and 18. Why are Colossians 2.16 and 18 taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing so, so important? Because it is how this sequence of verses is applied to us. And in this sequence of verses, we have, first of all, that we have, first of all, that um, the Lord said, I am the way. He is the way. He is the way for us to enjoy Him. And we will see in this section, He is the way for us to enter into the tabernacle, which represents the incarnated God for our enjoyment in the mingling of God and man. He is our way into this reality. As this, as this way, 1 John 5, 6 says, He is the reality. So He's our way into Himself as the reality. He is the reality. And John 14, 17 says, The one who is the reality is in us. I will be, I shall be in you. The spirit of reality shall be in you, John 14, 17 declares. And then John 16, 13 says that as the one who is in you, the reality is in you, I will take you further. And I will guide you into the reality. All reality, I will guide you into this Spirit of reality, who is the reality, I will guide you there and disclose to you what is to come, which is the ultimate enjoyment of Christ. So all this is an enjoyment story and contributes to our need to take our enjoyment of him as the measurement of how we're doing of what we aspire to do, of our daily living. So, dear brothers and sisters, before going further, I'd like to say, especially for those of you who uh, are with us this morning and not yesterday, that the Lord, I'll, I'll repeat what I said earlier, the Lord is serious about doing this with us. And the practicality of His being the way for us in John 14.6 is that we would have our culture of doing things autonomously, apart from Him, 
and without enjoyment of Him, replaced by Him. And our new culture, our new life, our new way would be a way of enjoying Him by taking Him as the reality of every positive thing. So although we were born in the culture and didn't have to develop it that much, this new culture, I'd like to encourage you all, let's develop this new culture. Amen. A culture when we come together, we enjoy Him. And we encourage one another to specifically take Him as the reality of every positive thing. In the two ways that we, we saw yesterday and in the way that we'll touch this morning. So as an aggregate, these are to compel us and impel us into this kind of enjoyment. Subpoint one under C says, we need to experience Christ as the reality of all the offerings. So, this will be followed by our experiencing him as the reality of the tabernacle. So here you'll see we have the tabernacle and the offerings representing the life and living of God's Old Testament people, indicating that our experience of Christ as the one who enters into us for our enjoyment as signified by the offerings, and into whom we enter and live as signified by the tabernacle, is to be the summary picture, the photograph of our daily living and be equivalent to ultimate enjoyment. Subpoint under A under one A says the offerings solve our problems and bridge the gap between us and God. So here again we have um, John fourteen six mentioned. The Lord says, I am the way. I am the way. And um, his saying, I am the way, we haven't mentioned this before, but um, refers to the fact that in the Gospel of John, you have repeated statements by the Lord where he says, I am. I am. And you may know that, you may recall that I am is um, uh, a form of the literal meaning of the title Jehovah, which has which indicates that God is. He is the verb to be. He is the existential one. He is the one in whom existence is valid and real. He is the reality. He is the one reality of all. He is I am. He is Jehovah. He is Jehovah. Now, as Jehovah, he wants to be reality to us. He wants to be reality to us. So when he says, I am the way, he wants to be the way as the I am into, into the enjoyment of him as the I am. As the I am. Now, 
the way we experience him and apply him as the I am. I am the way. I am the door. I am the light. I am the life. The way we experience him as I am is by taking him as the reality of every positive thing. So, um, you remember a recent application of this that we had in the life, in the crystallization study of um, Ezekiel. In the crystallization study of Ezekiel, there was a message on the Lord Jehovah. And you may remember that the title, the Lord Jehovah, is used in the book of Ezekiel 68 times. 68 times. Where Jehovah, where he said, I am Jehovah. You will know that I am Jehovah. You will know that I am Jehovah. And in the book, in the book of Ezekiel, you remember that God's people were taken from a position of uh, captivity and separation from God. They were brought from that kind of situation in idolatry, as a result of their idolatry and unfaithfulness and being in captivity, they were brought all the way back to be recovered to God in chapters 34 and 35, and then brought all the way back into the enlarged house of God, indicating God himself, the enterable God himself. And this was through, this was through, his being to them in typology, the Lord Jehovah. So, we now, in fulfillment, want to, want to have a life, a life where we experience the Lord as the Lord Jehovah, as the one who is, the one who is the I am. And when we do this, this is the fulfillment of the Lord himself. Lord himself. In the Lord's accessing the Father, enjoying the Father and applying the Father, he he experienced and became the prototype of the one who lived in the life of I am. He made he made everything that he did reality by touching the Father as he was involved in that matter. Now, now, we live the life of Jehovah, of I am, of reality, by realizing that everything in our personal circumstances and environment are a type and shadow of him as that reality. And we access him and touch him as we do. We enjoy him as I am, and he has become our way into the reality of I am, the way into God. Point B says, the offerings are good for us to enjoy God, to be mingled with God, and to have God assimilated into our being to become our constituent. So these five offerings, these five offerings did two things. Um, you remember from Exodus uh, chapters tw- chapter 29, especially in Exodus, 
and then in chapters 1 through 6 of Leviticus, the priests were to, were to handle and offer the offerings to God. And as a result of those offerings, the problems between God and man were resolved and the priest was able to come into the tabernacle. But meanwhile, meanwhile, the priest, with the exception of the, of the burnt offering, partook of those offerings and took those offerings into himself. So the offerings had this two-sided virtue, removed all the distance between God and man, and came into man to be his satisfaction and his enjoyment. (coughs) So this indicates, in our experience, the first side, the first limb, as I mentioned yesterday, of the mingling of God and man that happens as we enjoy Him. As we contact Him, as we call on Him, as we touch Him, as we enjoy Him, He has a way, He has a way to enter into our starving, hungry inner being and satisfy it and nourish it. And so the quote-unquote hungry priest who on one hand needed the offerings because he was so because the priest was so different and disqualified from being related to God, we could say also was weak and hungry. And by taking the offerings into him, into him, he had enjoyment, satisfaction, strengthening. So now, as God's New Testament people that have Christ as the tabernacle and offerings as their reality. Christ, hallelujah, is the one that closes all the distance between us and God, bridges us to God, brings us to God as the offerings, and He comes into us to be our enjoyment, satisfaction, and is released into our inner being to be our constituent as we simply contact Him and enjoy Him as the indwelling spirit of reality, occasioned by every instance, person, matter, and thing in our environment. So, enjoyment here introduces the the point. Enjoyment is a matter of the mingling of God and man. What does man enjoy? And what can man enjoy? What was man designed to enjoy? And what can satisfy him? What can satisfy man is to be mingled with God. So, so, as the yardstick of our daily living, what are we about? We're about the enjoyment that mingles us with God. Amen. And that mingling is what, is what enjoys and satisfies us. Oh, what a life we have. Amen. This mingling causes him to be our constituent as he's assimilated into our being. And as you know, Galatians 4.19 and 3.17 refer to this by Christ being formed in us and making home in our hearts to the point that he is all, to the point that he and we, we and he are all in all 
in the one new man. Then point C says the offerings are the way for us to enter into God and become part of the divine and human incorporation. Now, uh, perhaps if you're not familiar with this terminology, the divine and human incorporation, um, this divine and human incorporation is a new, uh, is a an experience, an utmost experience of enjoyment for God's New Testament people as represented by the Old Testament picture of the tabernacle. So the tabernacle, the tabernacle is a picture of the incorporation of God and man. And... Um, I'll use, um, we'll have later um, here as our reference verse, John 1.14, which refers to the Lord himself as the fulfillment of the Old Testament tabernacle. Now, as you know, as you know, there was, um, in the tabernacle, there was a predominant constitution of gold, as an important element in the tabernacle. And that element of gold represents God and his divine nature. But in the standing boards of the tabernacle, you had not only the gold, but you had something allowing the gold to stand, to stand erect, and to be prominent and strong. And this was the acacia wood of the boards, of the 48 boards of the tabernacle. This represents, this represents Christ's uplifted divine nature. So the gold and the acacia wood of the boards and the gold and acacia wood of the Ark of the Testimony in the, in the tabernacle represented and typified the two natures, divine and human, that would be uh, present in the Lord Jesus as the incarnate God-man who tabernacled among men in John 1.14. And this one brought divinity into humanity, brought God into man, and became an incorporation not only involving the mingling of the divine and human natures as typified by the acacia wood and gold, but of two divine persons, the Father, as represented, as represented by the gold of the, of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and the Son, as represented, as represented by the acacia wood in perfect and uplifted humanity. These two, these two persons, the Father and the Son, were never separate, but were together in way of coherence where they lived not only with one another, but within one another, and they lived and worked together as one. So the tabernacle there 
with its gold and with its acacia wood as a structure which the priest entered indicates that Christ in his incarnation as the tabernacle caused God to structurally become an enterable God. An enterable God. And that enterable God involved the dynamic interaction and interplay and enjoyment of two divine persons. And when, through the offerings, the priest entered into the tabernacle, he entered into a situation and a relationship of mingling of God as signified by the tabernacle. God embodied in Christ. And man, the priest, being mingled, being mingled together. So, so, our Christian life now is a life of our enjoying Christ as the offerings to satisfy, enjoy us within, and be our enjoyment within. And with that qualification, taking care of the problems, strengthening, strengthening us inwardly by coming into us, now allows us to come into Him, to live in Him. And what is this? God in us. Us in God. Living together. We're a person. He's a person. This is two persons living together. He and us. Us and Him. This means that our enjoyment is not just a matter of mingling, but it's a matter of incorporation. This is to be an incentive to us to take Him as the reality of the tabernacle and offerings, which is the prepared enjoyment for God's New Testament people. So D says, and I may have mentioned this now, D says, the offerings are not only sacrifices to solve our problems, but also presents to God for His enjoyment. So here, can't help but bring in the side of human unto divine affection again. What is involved in an offering? You may know that the word offering in Hebrew is uh, korban. Perhaps not pronounced correctly by me, but korban. Uh, Indicating that the Old Testament offerings were gifts. Were gifts. Where the priest identified himself with the offering by laying his hands on the offering. Then having done so, presented that offering to God. Indicating by that identification that he was giving himself with the offering to God. In uh, Leviticus, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, there's the phrase, 
Present your offering. If your offering is a burnt offering, present your offering. This phrase, I believe, is repeated three times in those two verses. And this phrase, present your offering, can be translated, gift your gift. Gift your gift. And the meaning of gift there is to give something precious and worthy of appreciation to the one that you love in an intimate fashion. So, present your offering means give as a gift to the one you love, the gift that you love, with which you've identified yourself. In other words, to give an offering is to, is to want for God to enjoy us and for us to give ourselves to Him for Him to enjoy us. So, in these verses, Numbers 28.2, as we mentioned last night, this indicates that the offerings were food to God for His enjoyment. And in Matthew uh, 3.17 and 17.5, of course, the Lord Himself was the one that is the delight of the Father. So this indicates that these offerings, which were a picture of the Lord Himself, identified with by us and enjoyed by us as an offering, as an offering, gives delight, gives delight to God, and is our enjoyment. So, so um, the offerings are the first part of our. Um, Participation in ultimate enjoyment. The offerings are our um, solving of the problems between us and God, having Him uh, satisfy and fill our being, and giving us a way, giving us a way to enter into God. Then point to a little bit more on this. <clears throat> According to the record of the Holy Word, the reality of the universe is Christ as the tabernacle and the offerings. So, here we go on from just the offerings and expand this to the tabernacle and the offerings. Of course, I've, I've mentioned the relationship between the two. But here is to point out that when we, when we enjoy the offerings Christ in us, enter into the tabernacle, that's us in Christ, enjoy this mingling and incorporation, this fulfills the meaning of the universe. This fulfills the meaning of the universe. So, um, <clears throat> you know, recently... Um, We've gone over these three Old Testament books, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. In each of these books, the tabernacle and the offerings are mentioned. So if you put these together, we can see their importance as the central focus of the universe 
in the sense of being the enjoyment of God's New Testament people. Now, for the Old Testament people in Exodus, first of all, um, Exodus is a book, as you know, on God's provision of himself to his people as their salvation, bringing them out of the fall, which was the the final word of Genesis. So Exodus begins uh, from the point of the result of man's fall, and Exodus meaning the way out indicates that Exodus was the way out of man's fall. What was the way out of man's fall? The way out of man's fall was the salvation provided in Exodus, which was the provision of the tabernacle and the offerings. So as you trace, as you trace through Exodus, as you have the Passover, the experiences in the wilderness, the call to Sinai, the giving of the ordinances related to the offerings and the tabernacle, you see that God's people are brought all the way from the fall under Satan's usurpation in Egypt, through experiences in the wilderness, as they come closer and closer and the distance is closed, they come to Sinai and they're given the tabernacle and the offerings, indicating that they're brought out of the fall into the enjoyment of God and the mingling of God and man. This is Exodus. Then in Leviticus, in Leviticus you have similarly the tabernacle and the offerings. The first part of, and, and maybe we'll mention this a little bit tonight, the, um, the first part of, of Leviticus, of course, presents the offerings and their importance. And then based upon those offerings and their enjoyment in chapters 1 through 7, the priests then, beginning with chapter 8 through the rest of the book, were able to enter into the tabernacle and serve. So, this indicates again that God's people who had no way to do that, to enter into the enterable God, were able to do so through the offerings, and this was the terminus and view for God's Old Testament people. Then in Numbers, we saw what? We saw that at the beginning of Numbers, you have the tabernacle there. The tabernacle, of course, with the ark implied within. And God's Old Testament people, in their entirety, caring for nothing. Wasn't this good? Wasn't this good? The God's Old Testament people, as pictured in Numbers chapter 1, cared for nothing but that tabernacle. And that tabernacle was the meaning of their life, was their center, and was journeying into Christ as their goal. Everything was wrapped up in that tabernacle. So the point here is, that as presented in the Pentateuch, the story of God's Old Testament people in their living and their significance was the story of the tabernacle and the offerings. With the tabernacle being a picture of God's economy in mingling, the offerings being the way for them to enter into that mingling, by enjoying the offerings, Christ came into them. Through the offerings, they came into God. And they were a people whose destination and whose reality was one of enjoyment. Amen. It was one of enjoyment. 
So um, hope this is giving an impression that we are to be people who live in the tabernacle through the offerings with God in us, Colossians 2.7, and with us in God, Colossians 2.6. Now, uh, I may need to um, refer a little bit here to uh, Colossians one twenty seven, Colossians two six, Colossians two six, which follows Colossians one twenty seven, indicates that after we have Christ in us as the hope of glory, that we are to, as we have received Him, we are to walk in Him. This indicates that as New Testament believers, our experience of the tabernacle is that we not only enter into Him, but we can walk in Him, which means to have our whole being in Him and be enjoying Him and under the mingling of God and man, the enjoyment of Him all the time. Well, let me read through here and then go on to Roman numeral 3. In His becoming flesh and tabernacling among us, He made God contactable, touchable, receivable, experienceable, enterable, and enjoyable. This is the Lord as the one who tabernacled among us and who became the enterable God. Be as the God-man, Christ is the tabernacle to be the dwelling place for God and man, and he is the offerings for man to enter into God. So we have the tabernacle here in, in um, John 1.14. The Lord tabernacled among us. 1420, he is in us and we are in him in 1420 and 23. And then this is through him being the Lamb of God representing the offerings, the all-inclusive offering in John 129. See, Christ, who is the reality of the tabernacle and the offerings, is the reality and content of the entire universe. Then D, through Christ as the offerings, we can dwell in God, God can dwell in us, this is the reality of the universe and the content and the content of the Bible. And here we have um, John 15:4, this verse that we, we uh, developed in some detail uh, last year, where um, uh, John's word, or the Lord's word here in John 15:4, indicates that our initiative our desire needs to be developed needs to be to develop our realization that we are abiding in him and our realization that we are abiding in him living in him enables him to live in us john 15:4 abide in me and i will abide in you and how do we do this how do we do this i just love this combination of this verse along with Colossians 2.16 through 18a, the way that we can abide in Him and enjoy Him is by taking Him as the reality of every positive thing. In John 15.4, in John 15.4, he, he said He was the vine, indicating that He was the tree of life in which, in which we, we now are able to uh, abide. The principle of the tree of life is the principle of dependence. 
and the principle of dependence applied to us and developed by us is a situation in which we draw upon him, contact him, touch him, and depend upon him as the reality of every positive thing. This is the fulfillment. This is the practicality. This is the John 14.6 of John 15.4. This is the way that we're able to, to have John 15.4. So, in summary, Christ as the tabernacle brings God to man, and Christ as the offerings brings man to God, so that man may be united, mingled, and incorporated with God. And then point B, the elements of the reality of all the types are in the Spirit. And the Spirit transfuses and dispenses these riches into us through His words. So, this final representation, again, again, I'd like to point out that what we've covered so far this morning is to complement the fact that Christ is the reality of all of our necessities. He's the reality of everything in the material creation. And He is the reality of the, of the tabernacle and the offerings as the center of the entire universe, indicating that we should have a life of enjoying Him. Amen. Now He is the Spirit of reality Amen. who's indwelling us, according to John 14, 7, and into whom, into whom He is guiding us, according to John 16, 13, and into whom... Now we and in whom now we can walk and live by taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Now, uh, Roman numeral three causes us to not have the thought for a moment that our taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing is for us to simply be a person of enjoyment. To be um, involved in an individual endeavor. But as we said last night, in Ephesians 3.18, the exploration of Christ's dimensions is something that we do with all the saints. So here we're going to see that Colossians 2, 16 through 18a which tells us that we can enjoy Christ as our momentary, daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly enjoyment is followed by words holding him as the head. So, the great truth of holding him as the head is specifically connected to taking Christ as the reality of all positive things. Now, we talk about the headship of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We talk about being headed up. We talk about um, having experiences in the body. 
And we talk about bringing in the reality of the body of Christ for the Lord's return and for the preparation of the bride. Again, the diamond in the ring of the book of Colossians is that the way we do this is by holding Christ, engaging Him as the reality of every positive thing. If you don't do this, you are not holding the head. You're not holding the head. So would you like to hold the head? Well, again, the John 14, 6 way, the way that we're able to hold Him as the head is through the provided, through the provision of our annexing, accessing, and attaining a fresh infusion of Christ through the opportunity of everything afforded to him in our present environment as the fulfillment of the Old Testament types. So let's, let's look at this. <clears throat> uh, Roman numeral 3 says, The very Christ who is the reality of all positive things is the one who is the head of the body. He is the reality of every positive thing. He is the head of the body. Thus, to hold the head is simply to enjoy Christ as the reality of all positive things. So, we don't enjoy Him as the reality of all positive things. We don't hold the head. We don't hold the head. We're not the body. So, we have Him as the indwelling hope of glory and as the spirit of reality. Is that one, Christ, indwelling as the spirit of reality? Is he the head? Is he the head? It depends. He may not be the head. Do you know when he's the head? He's the head when you contact him. You don't contact him. In himself, he's the head, but he's not the head to you. He's not the head in practicality. But you contact him, and he's the head. So you see the value of recognizing him and enjoying him, engaging him as the reality of every, every positive thing. Through this, we contact him. As we contact him in our union with him, we and you, you and I, together we contact him. Now, he's the head and we're the body. We do this together, and he has the body. We don't do this, and he doesn't have the body. So, we talked yesterday, you don't like to be defrauded, do you? Do you like to be a defrauder? Okay, well, in Colossians 2, 18 and 19, <clears throat> Paul warned the Colossians that they could be defrauded by certain ones. He said, no, let no one. Four times in this context, he says, let no one defraud you. Let no one defraud you. And then he goes on to say, those who defraud you, those are the ones, those ones who defraud you, those are ones who are not holding the head. They're not holding the head. Don't let them defraud you. So, 
They defraud you by drawing you away from Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Let's say now you're not enjoying Christ as the reality of every positive thing, and you're a husband with your wife, You're not enjoying Christ as the reality of every positive thing, so you're not holding the head. Guess what you're doing to your wife? She, by virtue of observing, being around, watching, and touching you as you're not taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing, not contacting him, not holding him as the head, she's defrauded by you. And you've defrauded her. So taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing not only keeps us from being defrauded, it keeps us from defrauding others, and it causes us to contact Him, hold the head, and have everything that He is as the head to be enjoyed by the body, and allows us to enter into Him as the tabernacle, live in Him, and enjoy Him, and walk in Him as in Colossians 2.6. Now, <clears throat> so here our brother says, <clears throat> whatever you enjoy you hold. Whatever you enjoy, you hold. So by contacting Christ as the reality of every positive thing, you enjoy Him. As you enjoy Him, you hold Him. You hold Him. And as you hold Him, He becomes the head to you. So, uh, point A says under this, since we are enjoying, since the Christ we enjoy as our everything is the head of the body, the more we enjoy him, the more we become body conscious. So we treasure those who are body conscious, who don't just have an inward looking perspective, but consider others, and who are burdened for others, and who are burdened beyond themselves, even beyond their locality, in a broader sense, they're body conscious. How do you get to be body conscious? Is it taught? Is it um, modeled and um, patterned? Well, I guess it is modeled and patterned, but it's not, it's not mimicked. The way you get to be body conscious is by holding the head, which is an application of enjoying him as the reality of every positive thing. Subpoint one, this indicates that the, the enjoyment of Christ is not an individualistic matter, but a body matter. Now note here, please, that uh, uh, the verse references... The verse references here are um, Ephesians 3, 8 and 4, 15 and 16. So here we're talking about how the enjoyment, the enjoyment of Christ as every 
positive thing links us with the head and causes us to be the body. So we see this in Colossians 2, 16 through 18. Then we flip to Ephesians and we see that in chapter 3, he's the one who's unsearchably rich. He's unsearchably rich. How? How is he unsearchably rich to you? Ephesians 3, 8. He's unsearchably rich to us, Ephesians 3, 8, by our taking him as the reality. So Ephesians 4.15 corresponds to Colossians 2.16-18 through 18 and talks about our taking him as the reality. And you remember it says, it says that we take him in the reality of all things. Remember how Ephesians 4.15 goes? Something like holding holding to reality in love that you might grow up into him who is the head in all things. You see the parallel here? The all things here refers to taking him as the reality of every positive thing. As we take him as the reality of every positive thing, we're holding to reality. Holding to reality how? Because we love him. We're holding to reality in love. As a result, as we hold him as reality, we grow up into him as the head. We're organically joined to him as the head. And then out from him, all the body is supplied. In other words, by holding him as reality in every instance, in every instance, he becomes the head to us and we become the body to him and we grow up into him and he functions out from us. Amen. So this is, this is our enjoyment of the unsearchable riches of Christ. Point two says, the more we enjoy Christ, the more we love the other members of the body. So Colossians 1, 4, and 8 refer to the love of the Colossians for one another. And how can they do that? Or how are we to love the saints? Well, according to this passage in Colossians 2, 16 through 18, as we enjoy him as the reality of every positive thing and hold him as the head, we are no longer individualistic in our view and our consciousness. We're conscious of the body and we have the head's feeling about the members and we treasure them. We treasure them when they're precious and we treasure them when they're not precious. <laughs> Because we have, we have the feeling, we have the feeling of the head. We have the feeling of, of the head. So, if you find yourself not so appreciative of one of the brothers and sisters, you can assume that this is a barometer to say, you're not taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. So you see the, you see the, the benefits and the 
precious uh, uh, results here. We take Christ as the reality of every positive thing, and that causes us to contact him as the indwelling spirit of reality. As we, as we do that, the one we contact becomes the head. Becomes the head. As we're in contact with the head, now, now with new sensation and consciousness as a member of the body, we're body conscious, and now we're no longer critical of the members, no longer uh, insensitive to the members. We care for the members. We're burdened for the members. We uh, enjoy the members. We delight in them. Yes, whether they're delightful or whether they're not delightful. So, you can put this to the test. Try enjoying Christ as the reality of every positive thing. And see how you feel about the saints. Then compare that to how you feel about certain saints or about the saints when you don't enjoy Christ as the reality of every positive thing. And you'll notice there's a difference. Now, did the saints change? There's no change. The difference is that now we have the view, the sensation, and the feelings of the head, which is that every saint is loved. And thus, the body builds itself up in love. So um, this is an extension of what we shared last night about this. Uh, then point B, because Christ's headship is in resurrection, this is Colossians 1.18, which says he's the head of the body, the firstborn from among the dead, referring to his resurrection. So as we touch him as the head, we touch the one who is in resurrection, and we, by joining ourselves to him, are in resurrection. Therefore, the experience of resurrection is the result of taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. We're in the new creation. We're in resurrection as we do this. So this practical key has manifold benefits, including that we are in the experience of resurrection. Not only that, but C says, the enjoyment of Christ as the reality of every positive thing brings us into the heavenlies in ascension. Here we can be experientially in the heavens only by enjoying Christ, the head, as the life-giving spirit, the spirit of reality in our spirit. So, um, our brother says that here, that as the head, he is the ascended head. He is the ascended head. So, as persons who are on the earth, earthly persons, we enjoy him as the reality of a, of a certain positive thing. Oh Lord, you are my bottle of water. I treasure and take you as the bottle of water. My doing so, my doing so, allows me to contact him as the head. And the head is not only in resurrection, he's also in ascension. Now I'm transported from the earth to the heavens. And Brother Lee says that taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing is the divine and mystical elevator that takes us from the earth to the heavens where we set our mind on the things which are above. This is the way to set our mind on the things which are above. Then point D says, as we enjoy Christ and hold him as the head, we absorb the riches of the extensive, all-inclusive Christ. These riches become in us the increase of God by which the body, the increase of God by which 
the body grows for its building up. So eventually, eventually, we need to mature. We need to grow. Friday we were talking and was at, one was, at, was asked, how do we get to be, in Numbers chapters 1 through 3, how do we get to be age 20? How do we mature? Well, the way, the way we mature, the way we mature is by taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. As we do this, as we take Christ as the reality of every positive thing, we find, we find that we are rooted in Him. How do we say that we're rooted in Him? As we're joined to the head in Colossians 2.19, the head in 2.19 is the soil in 2.7. The head, the head whom we lay hold of in Colossians 2.19 is the soil in which we're rooted in Colossians 2.7. As we hold the head by taking him as the reality of every positive thing, we at that time and through that action are rooted in him as the soil of the good land in 2.7. As we're rooted in him, we draw upon him, receive his element from him, and we grow up. It says in 2.7 that we're rooted and built up in him. That building up is our growth in him as a result of being rooted in him. And so we become person plants. We become person plants. That <clears throat> by taking Christ... Here's the person part of that. This is in Colossians 2.6. In Colossians 2.6, we're persons who, by taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing, as we have received Christ Jesus, we walk in Him. That's being, that's being our role as a person. The metaphor switches quickly in the next verse, verse 7, where the persons become plants, where it says, where it says, having been rooted and grounded and built up in him, we walk in him. So, so we're plants also as we take Christ as a reality of all positive things, drawing from him, growing in him. So this is again to give a further impression of the virtue of our experiencing Christ in this way. He says, but if we do not remain rooted in him to absorb his riches in a subtle way, the enemy will defraud us of the practical and continual enjoyment of Christ. So, dear saints, may we have the proper yardstick. May we be persons who assess our hours, our days, our weeks, and our months by the yardstick of the enjoyment of Christ. And may we go forth and be those who increase our enjoyment, having the assurance that we have the Lord Jesus as our way to do this. 
And our way that, the way that he does this is as the spirit of reality who is within us to be our indwelling reality and who is guiding us into all reality. And the way that he does this as our way is by helping us to learn to take him as the reality of all the positive things in the aspect of our daily necessities, in the aspect of everything in the material creation, in the aspect of the center of the universe being the tabernacle and the offerings, and in the aspect of our entering into the experience of the body of Christ by holding him as the head, by being in resurrection, by being in the heavenlies, by growing as a result. All this takes place as a result of our taking him as the reality of every positive thing. Now, if you're a young person here, if you're a young person here, please don't think that this is not for you. Please don't think that you can't do this. Brother Lee's testimony is that I was helped, Brother Lee's testimony, I was helped to do this as a young person. And it was by being helped to do this as a young person that I was able to develop this and learn to live a life of enjoyment of Christ as reality. So young people, young people, uh, don't exclude yourself from this. Older brothers and sisters, don't think it's too late to do this. Um, uh, Spanish-speaking saints, don't think you can't do this. Chinese-speaking saints, please don't think you can't do this. Korean-speaking saints, please don't think you can do this. Saints, we can do this. Let's learn to take Christ as the reality of every positive thing and have a life in which we thrive, prosper, and enlarge our enjoyment of Christ, which is what the angels are watching for, which is what the divine eyes are watching for, which is the center of the universe. Uh, let's pray with our neighbor now, please. have a new yardstick to measure our living. Amen. Our measuring stick is the enjoyment of Christ. Amen. When we enjoy Christ, we get mingled with the Lord. Amen. When we get mingled with the Lord, we become a divine human incorporation. Amen. I really enjoy that we don't have to measure our, our life by any other stick. Amen. And this enjoyment, the second point that I enjoy is that is not just for ourselves. The saint needs us. Some of us may think, no, the Lord, the saints do not need us. Yes, we need every one of you. So we enjoy Christ for the building up of His body. Let's limit ourselves to two minutes, okay? Listen for the piano. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah for this conference. Amen. Brother Rick, there's so much enjoyment here. It's too much for one person. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a body matter. The enjoyment. And Christ. Christ, the gift, the gift that's gifted. The I am. 
to Jehovah, come to us to bring us into Him. It brings me, it, it brings me back to that first song we sang, 1151, that points to Revelation 2217. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come! Amen. And let him who hears say, Come! Amen. And let him who thirsts come! Amen. And let him who is willing take the water of life freely. But you ended, you started and you ended talking about the yardstick. Just to make this real simple, the yardstick that I assess myself with. At the beginning of the year, I reset myself to start reading through the Bible. And then a few days ago, I thought, there's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. So right now, I should be at such and such a point in the Bible. And I started calculating and I said, I'm 15, I'm 15 chapters behind. Oh Lord. And then I, and then I realized, but you know, I'm enjoying it anyway. I'm enjoying the Lord in this. So I don't, I don't have to get concerned about that. Just keep on going and enjoying the Lord. This is a body matter. Come, saints. Amen. Praise the Lord for his speaking. It's like the Lord took another step. You know, we, I always would read, uh, John 15, 4, where it says, abide in me and I in you. But in this conference, we realize how to enjoy the Lord. I knew that calling on the Lord is a big thing to call on his name, call his name. When you call on his name, you enjoy his riches. Amen. But sometimes you be in situations you don't know how to contact the Lord. You know, you just don't know how. But this conference really opened the way. Amen. We're full of situations that we can enjoy Christ. All the things in our environment, all of them has been arranged by God that we would enjoy Christ continually. Amen. Praise the Lord, we can enjoy Him continually. When we enjoy Him continually, then experientially we're just in the body. Amen. We sense the spirit in saints. Amen. We don't care about what they are naturally. Maybe they may, we may think they're rude or something like that. You don't care about that because you enjoy the Christ in them. Hallelujah. You're happy because you enjoy the Christ. Amen. So that really makes you, makes you realize that the, uh, the church is not a social club. It's the body of Christ. You sense and you focus on the Christ in each saint. Especially like when you're in a prayer meeting, you just enjoy their speaking, their praying to God. So I just say, praise the Lord. The Lord has opened a way for us to enjoy Him continually. To one minute now. Okay, one minute. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, when I was a teenager, the brother brought me to the church life, Brother Rick Scarry. And I can say, you know, after many years, you know, I asked the question of brother, you know, brother, you know, uh, my desire is to become a Christian. I want to walk the streets of God with Jesus. And, and she said, well, brother, you you know what? You can do it right now. And I said, what? She said, yeah, you need to turn to the spirit, use the spirit. And I said, what is that? I didn't know that I have a human spirit. But praise the Lord, the, the brother took care of me. And, and after so many years, I can say with bonus, 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus Christ being so real to me day by day. Amen. I can say so for so many years that Christ is so wonderful to me. Amen. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Amen. I enjoyed that this universe of shadow, the material universe that we live in, is a stimulus and a reminder to contact the Lord. Amen. So the things that we encounter, the things that we come across, instead of getting discouraged, they can remind us to contact Him. Amen. The Lord made everything reality in His present environment by touching the Father in everything related to the matters He came across. Lord, guide us into this reality Amen. that when we come across things, we would touch you in everything related to that th matter. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, saints, I don't know about you, but I feel exposed. Um, I had this little experience this week. Um, I've been dealing with noisy neighbors, and I was on my way out of the apartment complex going grocery shopping, and this car in front of me took both lanes. And I was getting closer to the car, and as I was getting closer, the Lord just spoke to me. Rody, whose life are you living? Are you living Rody's life, or are you living the Lord's life? And at this point, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the noisy neighbors. And, and I was like, Lord, the Lord really touched me. You know, be careful what you say and what you do, you know, that you would not tarnish my testimony. Oh, Lord, may we not be defrauded by our prize. Oh, Lord, we can hold the head. Oh, we can do this. Praise the Lord. Enjoying the riches of Christ. Dear saints, enjoying the riches of Christ. And the Lord is serious about this. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is serious about this. I mean... Um, you know, I know a, 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 a little girl, she's a big girl now, but at 14 years of age, she stood up in a Pentecostal assembly where they continually said, the Lord is coming soon. And she said, what are you doing about this? So dear saints, the Lord is coming soon. So what are we going to do about this? You know what we're going to do about Because the Lord cannot come back. Right? Unless he has uh, an army. Unless he has a prepared bride. Unless he has the reality of the body of Christ. So, Lord, what are we going to do about this? Enjoy Christ. Amen. Take him as our yardstick. Amen. Amen. Enjoy Christ. I enjoyed this point. It said the very Christ who is the reality of all positive things is the one who is the head of the body. Thus, to hold the head is simply to enjoy Christ. Simply to enjoy Christ as the reality of all positive things. And I enjoy that. If I am not touching the Lord, if I'm not enjoying the Lord, then I'm not holding the head. And this result and causes me to defraud myself and defraud others. But hallelujah, that holding the head saves us from defrauding ourselves and defrauding others. So may we be those holding the head. May we be those holding the head. We prayed for this conference that the Lord would speak a word that would help us all to go on in his recovery. And I believe strongly that the Lord spoke the word. Amen. The way to go on 
in all the churches is to enjoy Christ. Brother Rick took us back to the beginning. When we came in the church life back in the 70s, uh, there was an emphasis on taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. All of our food, all of our drink, our very breath, our very life. And we've kind of gotten away from that. We've gotten a little bit more sophisticated. We have a lot of knowledge, but we're missing the basics if we're not enjoying Christ every day. And I loved being reminded, Hope used the verse, the Lord will lead us into all the reality. If we experience the Lord as our reality on a daily basis, then he will lead us into all the reality. I'm 82 years old now, and I'm doing a lot of reflecting about my life. And uh, my life as a Christian has been mysterious. I don't know how the Lord chose me and how the Lord has kept me. But praise the Lord. This is real. He is leading us into all the reality. Saints, saints, we have to limit ourselves to one sentence. Okay? Okay. Amen. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, we don't have to let our space in the... um, (laughs) <laughs> oh Lord, we don't have, we don't have to leave our space in the banqueting house vacant. All things are ready for us to come and dine. Praise the Lord. The Lord is so enjoyable. How all we need to be encouraged to enjoy Him day by day as the reality of all the positive things. Praise the Lord. When he, the spirit of reality, comes, he will guide you into all the reality. Amen. All things are ready. Let us come to the feast. I just want to give myself to the Lord to take him as the reality of uh, all positive things going forward. I appreciate today we saw the value of enjoying Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Louvado seja o Senhor, que salva-nos da nossa vida natural. Save us from a natural being. Praise the Lord. Amen. As God's people, our whole living in the significant, our significance should all be to ah, Abba Father, should all together be wrapped up in the tabernacle. Amen. The Lord is serious about one thing, our enjoyment of Christ. Amen. We need to share with our friends that enjoying Christ as the reality of every positive thing is our reality and destiny. Amen. God is contactable. God is touchable. He's receivable, experienceable, enterable, and enjoyable. What better one for us to appreciate, love, and enjoy? Saints, the, the, the Lord is serious about this. But we can do it. We can take Christ as the reality of every positive thing. We have the Spirit within us who's guiding us into all the reality. Let's do it. Okay, some announcements. Um, 
Okay, first of all, uh, for, for the saints from the other localities outside of Irving, there are offering boxes right around the corner there in front of the service office. Okay? Okay, listen up. This is regarding uh, young people's uh, meetings um, through the next month. Okay? So Saturday, January 26th, that's next Saturday, 8.30 to 11 a.m., There'll be a fellowship and blending time for Metroplex young people serving ones here in Irving. The time is intended for those who are serving with the young people in any capacity. That is, young people's meetings, dinners, conferences, etc. Saints are encouraged to bring their copy of the book, Raising Up the Next Generation for the Church Life. Saints who may be burdened to serve with the young people and would like to attend the time are encouraged to first fellowship with the leading brothers in your locality. Okay, that's next Saturday here in Irving, 830 to 11. Then on Saturday, February the 9th, 3 o'clock to 830 p.m., there'll be the Metroplex Young People Connect in Plano, Texas. All junior high and high school students of the churches in the Metroplex are invited. There will be two sessions with dinner and a time for recreation in between. This is a wonderful opportunity for the young people to invite friends and classmates they may be burdened for. There are some flyers by the service office with information. Please do not take more than one per person. If you need more, serving ones in each locality can provide additional copies. These are the copies that are provided. So we ask you, just take one if you're not from Irving, okay? And uh, you can have them reproduced in your locality. Okay, and then Friday, February the 22nd to Lord's Day, February the 24th, there'll be a conference here in Irving with Brother Ricky Acosta. The main subject for the conference will be raising up the next generation for the church life. The burden for the conference is to fellowship regarding the entire pipeline from young adults and future parents to raising children until reaching college age. Saints from young adults and above are encouraged to come to all sessions. Young people are invited to join, to join the conference on the Lord's Day. More details regarding meeting times will be communicated over the coming weeks. Okay? So that's Friday through Lord's Day, February 22nd through the 24th, and that will be here in Irving. Okay, saints, uh, we'll break now, and we'll come back this evening at 5 o'clock for the Lord's Table, followed by the last session of the conference. Let's be dismissed. Okay.